Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode of the Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink. Your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in Sports Drink. Spelled like Sports Drink, but without the vowels. So S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. <laughs> What's up, guys? Week number three of the NFL officially in the books with the Cowboys topping off the Giants uh, tonight, 23-13. to 13. So let's go ahead and uh, we got 16 games uh, to get into for this week. I'm not sure when the bye week start. I think it's maybe week six, week seven, something uh, like that. So we're going to have a full 16-game slate for the uh, first little chunk of the season. Uh, here and it was another crazy week. I did not do well uh, with my picks. Uh, I needed the Sunday and Monday night games to keep me above 500, and I lost them both. So this will be the first first week of the season where I'm below 500. You know, week one I was just above it. Week two I was right on 500. Now week three I'm below. So uh, yeah, we got some work to do for week four. Maybe I need to do some more some more studying and some more gut feelings and what have you. So let's go ahead and get into it and dive right into our week three recap. This is the week three NFL review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. out loud Our very short season would tell me that... Whether or not I get the Thursday night game right is going to determine how the week goes. Because week one, I was correct in picking the Bills over the Rams. But in week two, I lost picking the Chargers over the Chiefs. And in week three, I lost with picking the Steelers over the Browns. I got both of those games wrong. I guess I need to stop picking the road teams now. Uh, the Bills were just lights out against the Rams. But uh, the last two weeks, I picked the road teams and it was the home team. That came out on tops, you know, including this past Thursday with the Browns and the Steelers. You know, the Browns coming off that comeback loss to the Jets, where they had a they had a two touchdown lead with the last you know minute fifty eight or something like that to go in the game. First, they give a sixty six yard touchdown pass to get the Jets within one score, and then the Jets recover the onside kick and score the game winning touchdown. Well. There were, what, three and a half, four days removed from that, um, I don't want to call it an embarrassment, but definitely a huge disappointment. And uh, so maybe it was a good thing they were playing on Thursday because they bounced right back uh, to beat the Steelers, 29-17. to 17. I mean, and this was a game that was pretty even through three quarters before the Browns just put it away uh, in the fourth. Um, you know, Jacoby Brissett, say what you want. Uh, about him kind of being the band-aid solution or a game manager. I mean, he's not statistically impressive, but he's effective and efficient. Once again, you know, he helps the Browns uh, get the win, 29-17 over the Steelers, making me 0-1 on the week, and uh, the omens 
the omens are there. You know, there, there's, there's, uh, there's good evidence that if uh, I need to get the Thursday game right, if I want the rest of the week to go well. And this Thursday's week, this Thursday's game is, is going to be, I mean, on paper, it seems like a, a pretty easy choice. Three and three and oh, Miami versus one and two Cincinnati. Um, and it's, I believe it's in Cincinnati as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know if, if the Bengals have finally figured it out and they're bouncing back, but you know, they beat the jets. We'll talk about that here, uh, in just a minute, but you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see, but before we head off to Miami or or New York, to talk about the Cincinnati game. We got the Titans and the Raiders, the Titans had a 24, 10 lead at the half and were shut out in the third and fourth quarters by that Raider defense. And the Raiders had a chance uh, to tie this game. They scored a touchdown with uh, a minute 14 left uh, in the game. But this time, the Titans, unlike the week one against the Giants, the Titans did not let the two-point play uh, go through. It was a pass attempt from Derek Carr, was batted down uh, in the end zone. And I, and I believe it said it was nearly picked uh, as well. Uh, so the Raiders, or excuse me, the Titans were able to res, you know preserve uh, the win. The Raiders are 0-3 under Josh McDaniels uh, in this young season, and the ever-so-patient Raider faithful are already calling for his job. So, um, yeah, you know, you, you have the, uh, the week one uh, loss to San Diego, a divisional loss, but it was a road game. So, you know, that happens. But then week two, you have a 20-point lead over the Cardinals, and you blow it and then lose it in overtime, and then week three, you're down 24-10 at halftime and have to claw your way back and then fall just short uh, for an opportunity to send it to overtime. It wasn't like they were going to win if they got the two-pointer. They'd be going to another overtime uh, contest, and they came up short uh, there. So, you know, like like all the money they spent in free agency, the draft picks they gave away to get Devontae Adams has not resulted in wins yet, and it also really hasn't resulted in much offense for the for the Raiders. You know, they, they only scored 23 points last week against the Cardinals, 22 again this week against the Titans. I believe they only managed like 17 points uh, against the Chargers week one. So, uh, yeah, they, uh, they spent a lot of money uh, in free agency, gave up a lot of capital to get their hands on Devontae Adams. And uh, right now it's, it's not, uh, not paying dividends. So um, Raiders are 0-3 right now. I think they're only one of two winless teams. Uh, at the moment, the Titans finally get their first win. This was a battle of 0-2 squads. The Titans finally get off the schneid there, get their first win. Give me my first win, and I need them. They're desperate this week. Upset of the day uh, on Sunday, the Colts against the Chiefs. The Chiefs' defense was effective. The only turn, the only touchdowns that the Chiefs were able to score came off of turnovers. The Colts tur- turn over the, turn the ball over in their own territory and and the Chiefs were able to take advantage of the short field and put the put the ball in the end zone otherwise they were pretty effective in shutting the the Chiefs uh, offense uh, down you know this this offense that was so explosive uh, against the Cardinals where they just you know basically tried to break the scoreboard out there uh, in Arizona week 1 uh, they were able to put up you know enough points to get past the Chiefs Last week, although they got some help with a pick six from their uh, defense, they were pretty ineffective, especially on the ground game. Uh, Mahomes was the leading rusher, 26 yards 
uh, in this game. So Edwards, Hilaire, and all their other running backs got nothing because the quarterback scrambling was the leading rusher uh, of the uh, football game. And it's not like Mahomes made up for it uh, like he did against the Cardinals with his week one performance where he threw for like 450 and five touchdowns uh, or anything like that. It wasn't that kind of day. Uh, for him, you know, the Colts finally get themselves a win after an embarrassing road loss to the Jaguars uh, last week. And I asked, and I watched a video uh, last week after they lost to Jacksonville. Um, this guy was basically detailing how ridiculous the losing streak that the Colts have in Jacksonville is. I wish I'd have seen it before I did the review episode last week because this would have been interesting. But it's like it's. They haven't beaten Jacksonville in Jacksonville since like 2015 or something like that. It's like an eight-year streak. And what's what's been what's most compelling about that losing streak is that like the the records of the two teams during that time, there's like uh like a 30% win percentage difference as far as the Colts, I think, are around five hundred over the last six, seven years. And Jacksonville, as we all know. Well below that, well below that. Like maybe they may have won thanks to the 2017 when they went on that run and almost went to the Super Bowl when they made it all the way to the AFC Championship game. Thanks to that year, uh, their winning possession was in like the low 30s. So it was like there was like a 28% uh, win percentage difference and the team with the lower percentage is the one that's undefeated, not the other way around. It's like he went, he detailed, he went through a bunch of things where it's like, okay, and during this stretch in the 80s, the Bears beat the Packers, you know, nine games in a row or whatever. Wouldn't we love to see those days again? But nine games, you know, nine years, uh, nine games in a row, something like that, or every year in Soldier Field for eight years or something like that as well. And of course, this was a win percentage when the Bears were averaging like 12 wins a season and Green Bay was one of the worst teams in the league. So the the difference in winning percentage was quite steep uh, there. And the Bears being the better team always won. And this is like the complete opposite where Jacksonville's one and only victory in 2020 was beating the Colts in Jacksonville. And then last year they were two and 14 going into the last game and the Colts needed a win to go to the playoffs. So obviously very different winning percentages there. The The Colts were trying to go, I think nine and eight or 10 and seven, something like that. And the, the the Jaguars won their third game. So huge difference in winning percentages there. It was really interesting. Sorry to go on a tangent, but, you know. Nonetheless, the Colts, despite getting uh, blanked in uh, in Jacksonville 24 to nothing last week, were able to uh, score a touchdown. Uh, Matt Ryan to Jelani Woods, 12-yard t- touchdown, 24 seconds left in the game to take the lead. It was a 16-play 76-yard drive that took over eight minutes of the final nine uh, of the game uh, to uh, put the Chiefs on top, and then they put the button on it. But I think they picked off Mahomes to uh, close off the uh, the game. So kudos to the Colts. That's got to be the upset of the week. I'm, I definitely would not. I mean, obviously, I didn't pick the Colts to win, so obviously that wouldn't have been my upset. But um, I don't think I actually had one this week. I don't think I was thinking about it too much when I was – recovering from that that cold that my teeny tiny little two-year-old niece gave me that just bowled me right over uh last week so Colts get the win I take the loss one and two so far uh in the in this uh in this week 
Here comes some more losses. I was convinced that the Bills were going to be invincible. Never mind that 100-degree heat that is just debilitating out there in, in South Florida. Uh, the Bills were getting killed uh, by, the, by the heat and constantly guys having to come off the field with cramps. I think, they had, I, think I read that they had like three guys that had, quote-unquote, heat illness after the game. That's dangerous, man. Super, super dangerous. You know, it, it's, and, and as they say, it's not the heat. It's the humidity. I've been to Florida one time. I went to Florida once in November when, when I left, because it was when I was at Western Illinois and our football team played South Florida in Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. So I didn't go to Miami, not even, you know, I didn't even go, go far south uh, as Miami is, but I went to Tampa and at 7 o'clock, which it was a Saturday night kickoff, 7 o'clock in Raymond James, it was 86 degrees with about nine or 7,000 percent humidity. It was unbelievable. Late November, when we left Illinois, it was 42 degrees outside. We step off the bus in Tampa. It's in the 90s and humid. It was disgusting. I hated it there. I don't know how it is that people retire to Florida. Like live, like my aunt, my mom's younger sister, her and her husband, who I guess would be my uncle, um, moved down to Florida. That's where they're basically going to retire. They're still, they're still working now, but that's where they want to live out the rest of their days. To hell with that. To hell with that. No. Lived in Chicagoland their entire lives. Now they're going to go live in Florida. I, I, I don't know how you do that. Honestly, I don't. You know, to, to live in an area that has seasons, that also has humidity in the summer. The humidity up here in, in you know, Illinois and Iowa and the Midwest, it sucks. It's thick and it's disgusting and I hate it. That's why I hate the summer. I always have. But, and then you go down where you have that weather, I don't know, nine months out of the year or something like that. It's ridiculous. I don't know how you do that. Anyway, <laughs> I guess I'm just all full of tangents today. Um, turns out that Dolphins defense is legit. Uh, after the Bills were racking up the points in the uh, first two games, they demolished Tennessee last week. They put up 31 against the Rams the week before that. Held to 19 in this one, you know, and the Dolphins uh, turned the, the Bills away at the goal line. After a 17-play drive that took up eight and a half minutes, they came up short at the two-yard line on fourth and goal. Massive, massive in that. Uh, I mean, 17 plays, eight and a half minutes, and you come away with nothing. That is, uh, that is something else. So kudos to that um, Dolphins defense that kept the Bills under 20. Um, the, uh, the, the, this, is, this game is going to go down in infamy for the now historic butt punt where the the after that fourth and goal stand that the Dolphins defense took the the offense goes three and out and they're punting from their own two yard line the punter who's got his heels literally on the white paint takes one step forward to try to kick the ball and just about shoved it up the ass of his of his of his uh you know uh I forget what that guy up uh, up back in front of him Instead, it careens off his, uh, his coccyx or whatever out to back of the end zone for safety and brought the deficit from 21-17 to 21-19, and the Bills get the ball back. So they took that ensuing drive with about a minute or so left on the clock. I'm pretty sure – I don't – I, I watched this. I don't remember if they had a timeout or if they were fresh out. I don't know if they had one and then used it or if they were just completely – out of timeouts, but they actually got the ball into field goal range, or at least 
the the bleeding edge of the field goal range for their kicker, but they couldn't spike the ball. The, the defend or the 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 pass receiver was was tackled in bounds, and by the time they got to the ball and went to try and spike it, the clock had already been at zero for a second or two. Game ball ball game was over. So the Dolphins triumphed twenty one to nineteen, and then Ken Dorsey kind of made himself famous, uh, the Bills' offensive coordinator, by destroying you know trying to do a Tom Brady and destroying his. Uh, his uh, tablet and you know everything upstairs in the uh, in the coaching booth and um, you know you like to see that kind of emotion uh, from your coaches that show that it really means something to win uh, a football game or to know that you were that close to winning you know not to mention a 17 play drive that eats up eight and a half minutes and you come away with nothing that's got to be frustrating uh, as well I mean and here's a frustrating stat for you Bill fans out there the Bills ran 90 plays versus only 37. For the Dolphins, and the Dolphins won twenty-one to nineteen. I mean, when they when they meet back up in Buffalo, I'm sure they're hoping it's going to be one of those late December matchups where there's a foot of snow, you know, where each each fan in the stands is sitting on a foot of snow <laughs> to pad them uh, as the Dolphins come into town for the rematch. But um, yeah, that one's got to sting. I'm sure that uh, there were many things that uh, Buffalo. Um, would like to have back, including some of the guys that they were missing uh, in this ball game, and the guys that they lost along the way because of the heat stroke uh, and all that kind of stuff. Probably cursing the names of the NFL for sending them to South Florida in September uh, when it's still summer down there. So, but uh, I picked the Bills to win. They fell short, so I'm what one in three now so far. Not looking good. Not looking good. But uh, I go on a little streak here. As you see, starting with Minnesota at Detroit, taking on the Lions in NFC North uh, battle. Uh, the Vikings looking to rebound from their Monday night loss to the uh, Eagles. I mean, handedly, 24-7, something like that, 31-7. Um, and it looked like it was going to be another long day for them. The Lions jump out ahead to a 14 nothing lead and then get another uh, double-digit lead, 24-10, going into the fourth quarter. The problem was... The Vikings kept storming back. You know, uh, the Vikings scored twice in the final eight minutes, including a 28-yard pass from Cousins to K.J. Osborne with less than a minute left to take the lead. And, you know, just like that, the Vikings, you know, go 14, you know, score 14 in the fourth quarter to win the ball game. Uh, And the Lions, instead of being 2-1, and are now 1-2. and They uh, they came up short uh, in this one. But I think it's apparent. With the way that they've been playing, the way they've been able to actually score points, which was an enormous Achilles heel, Achilles heel of theirs last week, or last year, I should say, um, the, the Lions are going to be a problem. They're not going to be the easy out they have been uh, lately. You know, it just seems like I remember when I was talking with um, my Lions guy, Jeremy Reisman, after we met them in week four last year. You know, they were obviously they were 0 3 because they, they didn't win their first game until like week 13. Uh, last like the week after they played the Bears in Thanksgiving, which ironically was against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, the first three games where it's just like they they got out, they got you know beat by the 49ers, but the 49ers had like a 31 to eight lead, and then they came roaring back and and they made it a one score game at the end. Uh, week two, they dominated the Packers in the first half, and then the Packers shut them out uh, in the second half while you know taking the game 
back. And then week three was against the Ravens where the Ravens needed an NFL record 66 yard field goal to beat them. And I, and I, and the same thing happened to them in, in Chicago. They got inside the red zone three times, came away with zero points. It was like a turnover on down and two turnovers. You know, they came away with zero points on three red zone trips. They were able to move to football and get into the red zone, but they, you know, kept giving it back to us, which I'm sure we as bear fans appreciated. So I texted Jeremy and I told him, I was like, if you guys ever figure out how to put a 60-minute game together, you guys are going to be a problem. And uh, they didn't do it much in, uh, in 2021. They only went, they went 313-1 uh, last year. But, um, you know, they've, I mean, week, week one against the Eagles, they were coming from behind, same as they did to San Francisco last year. And then, and then last week, uh, week two against the um, commanders jump out in, in front and basically never look back. And then this week it looked like they were about to do it again, but that whole not playing 60 minutes thing got in front of them. What was really interesting is that the lions went four for six on fourth down. They went four on fourth down six times. So, and also their defense took a blow as they lost the uh, safety Tracy Walker for the season with a torn Achilles. So see how much that affects them uh, going forward. But, Vikings bounce back from the Eagles' loss. The Lions falter after beating the Commanders last week. Vikings 2-1, Lions 1-2. Victory for me because I picked the Vikings. Now we're at 2-3. Uh, now we go to Chicago. Bears home for the Texans, and you guys know how I felt about this one. The Bears had 363 total yards, but 281 of it was on the ground. Passing game still a huge problem. Whether it's you know Justin Fields not reading the, not reading it right, not trusting his eyes, you know, uh, has not having confidence, too much hesitation, too much thinking, maybe whether it's a scheme issue, guys not getting open. It's you know every every play has its own story to tell. You go back and you look at the film, and it, it will tell you that. But you know it's like on the surface, to to the fat guy on the couch, it looks like Justin Fields is not playing well. So, um, but. Despite that, 281 yards on the ground, 16 tackles, and an interception from Roquan Smith set up the game-winning field goal in the final minutes uh, of the game. Uh, Cairo Santos with three field goals on the day, including a 50-yarder, put the game winner through as time uh, expired. And, you know, the MVP of the game, Khalil Herbert, stepping in for the injured uh, David Montgomery with 157 yards on only 20 carries and two touchdowns. So... Outstanding performance uh, from the second-year player. Bears eke it out with a win. Uh, go to 2-1. And, one, and uh, Texans go to 0-2-1. Interesting. So, uh, But it's another W for me, so I'm even at 3-3 three and three, uh, right now. And like I said, I go on a little run here. Baltimore and New England, our next game here. Lamar Jackson, you know, just doing it all by himself. Four touchdowns he threw, ran for a fifth as the Ravens bounce back from Last week's um, come-from-behind uh, loss to the uh, Dolphins. Uh, Mac Jones threw for 321 yards, but also threw three interceptions. Left the game with a high ankle sprain that's supposed to keep him out for several weeks. I mean, they're even talking surgery, which ironically enough would shorten the recovery time is what I'm hearing. But uh, for us as Bear fans, we play Mac Jones in a few weeks on Monday Night Football, or we're supposed to anyway, and it sounds like he won't be back. For that game, so interesting to see what the Patriots will do uh, with at the quarterback position. I think Brian Hoyer is the first guy uh, off the bench. Um, 
but uh, if he's uh, if he's not the guy, I saw a video on uh, on uh, Twitter today suggesting that they bring um, Cam Newton back, and he did some time uh, in New England and and what have you. So we'll see what they do. It's it's early in the week still. Uh, it's only Monday, so we'll see what happens uh, with uh, with that. See if the Patriots uh, do anything with it. They fall to one and two. Ravens bounce back, go to two and one. I take another W. We're at four and three. Now we go out to the Meadowlands where the Jets hosted the Bengals. The Bengals do get their first win after an zero and two start, and quite frankly, they should be three and zero after this. They had their chances to beat the Steelers week one, and they, uh, you know. They had their opportunities against the Cowboys last week uh, as well. Um, I did not look to see how they did with their pass protection this week. I've, I did not look up how many sacks the Jets had. But Burrow was 23 of 36, 275, three touchdowns, no picks. So he wasn't hurting his team like he did in week one uh, and also in, in week two uh, as well. The difference in the game, though, was Cincinnati being able to finish their drives because the Jets had to settle for four field goals from Greg Zerline. Those were the only points they were able to put uh, on the board. And as you just heard, Burrow threw for three touchdown passes. So that was the real difference in the game was that since his deep offense was able to finish, the Jets' offense was not. Joe Flacco could not bring back the magic he created last week uh, in Cleveland, and the Jets fall short uh, to one and two. The Bengals improve to one and two and avoid becoming an 0 and three team which statistically or historically basically eliminates you from any hope of the playoffs. I mean it's happened before, but statistically your chances are like in the single digits if you start the year 0 and 3. So but I the Bengals get the W as do I, so I think I'm 5 and 3 now as we move through, but that's about to change here in just a moment. But uh, my my last of this winning streak here, the Eagles at Washington taking on the Commanders. Uh, the Eagles with a 24-8 win over their division rival. Uh, all 24 Eagles points were scored in the second quarter, you know, giving them a 24 to nothing halftime lead. The Eagles sacked Wentz nine times in this game, six in the first half, and Wentz fumbled the ball twice, so completely shut the commanders down. That touchdown came late, like in the fourth quarter when the game was, pre- was all but decided uh, at that point. And, you know, Jalen Hurts... Good God, man. I started off saying, you know, I don't think much of Jalen Hurts, and he's had three outstanding games right out of the gate, 340 yards and three touchdowns, whereas last week it was all on the ground uh, for the Eagles. This week it was through the pass. The The commander defense kind of took away the run game, so Philly just went to the air. 340 yards for Jalen Hurts, 169 yards for Devontae Smith, the Feisman Trophy winner from uh, Alabama. Uh, he had a touchdown. He had 156 of those yards in the first half. So he so he had a quiet second half, but then again, so did the entire uh, Eagles offense because all their points were scored in the second quarter. But uh, it was more than they needed as the uh, the commanders were only able to muster eight points uh, for the game. So, you know, Wentz getting banged up nine times. We Bear fans know what it's like to watch quarterback get nine sack nine times in a game. Is that if actually like the one-year anniversary of that? It was week three against Cleveland last week, last year, that we had to suffer through that shit. But anyway, commanders get the win. I get the dub. That puts me at six and three. But, uh, you know, that's where the – I think that's where my confidence ends because it gets ugly from here on out. Um, Panthers in Carolina hosting the Saints. It's another NFC South 
uh, game for the uh, for the Saints. They've you know started with the Falcons, played Tampa Bay last week. So now clean sweep. They got the the Panthers this week. So they uh, you got the first round of division games out of the way. Um, not much going on offensively uh, with this one. Uh, Twenty two to fourteen, the Panthers win the game. Carolina offense didn't score a touchdown uh, until the fourth quarter. Uh, it was a big play though. Um, Laviska Chenault uh, scoring a sixty seven yard touchdown pass from Baker Mayfield uh, in that one. Pretty much put the game away uh, for them. Our former kicker, Eddie Pinero, three field goals for the Panthers uh, in the win. Uh, Jameis Winston threw for 353 yards, but was picked off twice in the fourth quarter to uh, help the uh, Panthers come away uh, with the win here. Um, after winning the first game of the season against the Falcons, the, the Saints have lost two straight. And what hurts even more is that their division games too. Those games, those games count a little more than the rest of them do. But uh, so they're one and two, one and two in their division. The Panthers get off the Schneid; they get their first win after uh, disappointing losses uh, the first two weeks of the uh, of the season. You know, coming up short against the Giants last week, and you know, a fifty-eight yard field goal from a rookie kicker beating them week one uh, against the uh, Browns. So the Panthers were, you know, were needing one. They were on a nine-game losing streak starting from last season uh, that they finally snapped uh, in this game. I'd pick the Saints, so I take the L down to six and four. Uh, and <laughs> boy, the Jags are out to make me pay for not getting that first week pick uh, right. I picked them to beat the Commanders week one. I thought they would. They almost did. They come up short, and then they go on a rampage where in the last two games they're winning sixty-two to ten. Because they beat the Colts twenty-four to nothing last week, in where I knew about the losing streak in Jacksonville and picked the Colts anyway, dumbass. And this time I was like, "There's no way the Chargers are losing to Jacksonville. They've had ten days to get ready for this game from since the Thursday nighter against the against the Chiefs. The Jacksonville has to scour the entire country, you know, from Jacksonville flying all the way to Los Angeles to play uh, the Chargers." They say Justin Herbert's going to play. Looks like they're good to go, but you can call in an upset if you want, but the Jags won by 28 points. When you win by 28, it's not an upset, okay? It'd be an upset if the Jags won 38 to 35. You know, they just kind of eked out a win. It's like, no, they pretty much put their foot dead in, I was going to say San Diego, dead in the Chargers' ass and just left it there. Um, you know, Lawrence threw for 262 yards and three touchdowns to help the Jags snap an 18-game road losing streak. And uh, the Chargers were shorthanded. That's no excuse, but they were missing Corey Lindsley, their center, uh, starting corner J.C. Jackson, Keenan Allen, who was obviously a big part uh, of their offense. Uh, they were banged up with Herbert, obviously nursing that rib cartilage injury. And then they lost Joey Bosa and Rashawn Slater, uh, you know, their all-pro defensive end and their you know first-round pick from last season offensive tackle. They think Slater might be done for the year with a bicep injury. Bosa is indefinitely, is out indefinitely with a groin injury. So it's one of those soft tissue injuries. You're just going to have to wait and wait for that thing to heal on its own, as we Bear fans know, because uh, Valus Jones uh, still hasn't played a goddamn game yet for the Bears. So, I mean, he, he made a nice little appearance in the Seattle game in the preseason, and then his hamstring flared up again, and we haven't seen him since. So we know about those soft tissue injuries. Uh, injuries you know the game was close though 16 to 10 
in the third quarter before the Jags went on a 22 to nothing run uh, to close it out. And, um, you know, quite the impressive win uh, for the Jags. And could they be turning the tide here? Could things be changing? Could Is it that, you know, what ruined last season was Urban Meyer being in way over his head at the NFL level? You know, because everything points to the fact that he tried to coach professionals and grown men uh, like he did young men and boys at the college level. You know, you're not at Ohio State anymore, bro. That's not how it works around here. You can't talk to me like that. You got to show me some respect while you're coaching me. If you don't know how to do that, you shouldn't be here. So he wasn't. And Doug Peterson comes in. He's led a team to a Super Bowl. He's coached a young quarterback to to the to the next level. He's got and he's got a he's got a gym in in Lawrence for sure. So the Jags might be onto something here. I'd be interested to see how it all goes uh, from here. I forget who they're playing. Uh, next week, but I think I actually like them in that game. So we'll uh, we'll find out on uh, on Friday when we do the review for that one. But you know, obviously, I picked the Chargers to win this game. I the, the Chargers take the L. The Jags are two and one now. They lost that that game to Washington, but they've won two straight. When's the last time the Jags won two games in a row? It's probably been a while. Uh, Chargers fall to one and two after getting the first win over the Raiders and falling to the Chiefs, and obviously the Jags here this past Sunday. I think I'm six and five now with this loss. Uh, help me out here, LA. The Rams heading into Arizona take on the Cardinals. Stellar defensive effort from the Rams. I mean, it's it was a bend but don't break game for them as they allowed 365 yards of offense for the Cardinals, but kept them out of the end zone. Only four field goals for Kyler Murray uh, and company. Uh, Cooper Cup and Cam Akers rushing, adding rushing touchdowns to help the Rams improve. The two and one, you know, bouncing back from that disappointing uh, opening game loss against the uh, Bills. And what other interesting statistic that I saw when I was uh, reading up on this game? Cardinals are two and seven in their last nine games. So dating back to when they were like, I don't know, ten and two after beating the Bears in Soldier Field last year, I believe they're on a two and seven run. I don't know if that includes the loss to L.A. in the wild card round uh, last year, or if we're just talking regular season games. If it's which is not good. Um, and the Cardinals are not putting themselves in a position to, uh, well, I mean, actually they're doing the opposite of what they've done the first three years under Cliff Kingsbury. Like under Kingsbury, they've gotten off to these faster starts. Last year, obviously, starting 10-2, and two, and they finished 11-6, and six, I believe. And, you know, now with, the, uh, with this year, uh, you know, they're off to a 1-2 start, and... They needed a miracle to win last week that comeback against the uh, Raiders after getting shellacked by the, the Chiefs in the first game of the uh, season. You know, I, I thought the, the Arizona saga would be interesting because they have this track record under Cliff Kingsbury of going off, getting off to this fast start and then crumbling at the end of the season. That's the only reason the Bears made the playoffs in 2020 was because Arizona just, just pissed it all away uh, at the end of the, uh, end of the year. And, um, you know, it's like if they do that again and then their crumbling is documented on the in-season hard knock starting in November, nobody's coming back. I mean, the GM's gone. Cliff Kingsbury's gone. They're starting from scratch again. You know, it's like, but it's like they're, they're kind of putting themselves in a spot right now where we might have an interim coach by the, by the time hard knocks takes place in November. I mean, it, it's getting ugly out there in Arizona because they are not playing well right now. So, I mean, granted, they played the Chiefs 
and the Rams in the first, you know, two of their first three games. But, you know, they're capable of a lot more. They're still shorthanded. They still don't have DeAndre Hopkins. He's got another three weeks before he can come back after the the suspension uh, and everything. But, um, you know, that might be the only saving grace is that they – they really have never – they haven't had their full football team on the field uh, just yet. But uh, they fall to 1-2. and two. The Rams go to 2-1. and one. I picked the Rams to win, so I got a win. That puts me at 7-5. and five. Yeah, 7-5 and five, uh, as we head into our final games here. Atlanta on the road in Seattle to take on the Seahawks after losing uh, – after their comeback bid came up short against the Rams last week, the Falcons actually – Stayed on the West Coast. I think they were in Seattle the whole week getting ready for this game rather than flying to Atlanta and then flying back out uh, again. So these guys haven't been home for like eight days. And, uh, you, you, you know, it's a good strategy, I guess, and it looks like it worked out for the Falcons. It was a back-and-forth game. Uh, the Falcons finally took control of with a 14-yard touchdown pass from Mariota to, to the rookie Drake London with 35 seconds to go. Uh, former Bear Cordero Patterson, who should still be a goddamn Bear. Goddamn you, Ryan Pace. Um, had 141 yards rushing on 17 carries and a touchdown uh, for the Falcons. Geno Smith uh, had a chance to try to lead the uh, the Seahawks back, but uh, their, their comeback bid fell short uh, when the Falcons picked him off uh, in the final seconds to seal the game. Falcons 27, Seahawks 23. I thought the Seahawks had this one. I did not take into the into account that the Falcons were staying on the West Coast. I didn't even think about it. So, you know, but that's one of those things. You see uh, an East Coast team going out West, and th- it's something about that cross-country travel that seems to hinder a team's ability to really show up for a football game sometimes. I mean, it was proven wrong twice this week with the Jags going out to Los Angeles and Atlanta being out in Seattle uh, all week, but... You know, so maybe it's just one of those things. But this week it was not. It was not one of those things. Falcons beat the Seahawks. I picked the Seahawks. I come up short seven and seven, seven and six. Now, Packers and Buccaneers. I really toiled over this game with the Packers and, and you know coming through is like with with as good as that Bucks defense has been these first uh, couple of weeks. How dominant they were against the Cowboys. They shut down the Saints, only allowing 10 points uh, last week. You know, I, I really thought they had a chance, and it's that ugly Florida weather with Green Bay coming to town, coming to them instead of the other way around. I really thought it was Tampa's game to lose, but they continue to struggle on offense. They're absolutely just getting nothing done uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But the Bucks were without basically their receiving core. Uh, Julio Jones and, and Chris Godwin were out with injuries and Mike Evans got suspended for fighting uh, last week. So, they, I mean, this is a, they signed Cole Beasley off the street like two days before the, seat, before the game started. You know, it was like guys like Scotty Miller and uh, Brashad Perriman were their starting wide receivers uh, in this game. So, you know, Green Bay knew pretty much all they had to do was shut down the running game. And it's like, you know, it's weird to think that the strategy is to go with Tom Brady in putting the ball in his hands, but it was more about who he was throwing it to than it was about Tom Brady's not going to beat us throwing the football. So, you know, both he and uh, Rodgers had, you know, 
decent games, 250, 250 plus for Rodgers, 274 um, Brady. But the, the Bucks didn't get into the end zone. It was 14 to 6. The Bucks finally score a touchdown, 14 seconds to go. They go for two, and it fails, and that seals the win for uh, Green Bay. You know, 14 to 12 uh, being the final score. So the Bucks defense really getting it done. They are absolutely getting it done, holding the Packers to 14 first-half points and shutting them out in the second half. But, you know, the Bucks are just super struggling uh, on offense. It's like scoring points was easy for them uh, last year. Um, but and it's odd, you know. Byron Leftwich didn't leave; he's still there. So their play caller uh, is still there. That you know, obviously with um, Todd Bowles sticking around on the defensive side, their team is essentially intact. Yeah, Bruce Arians moved into the front office instead of coaching from the sidelines this year, but everything else is pretty much the same. And um, you know, they're just not getting it done on offense. Nineteen points against the the Cowboys, twenty points last week against the Saints, and now only twelve. Uh, against the Packers. Now, granted, the Packers have a top 10 defense, but, you know, when your defense is doing the job for you and 17 points is enough to win, you got to get it done. And unfortunately, the Bucks didn't get it done. I got the pick wrong, so now I'm 7-7 seven and seven going into the Sunday and Monday night games. And spoiler alert, I already told you how that went. Broncos and 49ers on Sunday night, probably one of the more boring games you'll ever watch unless you really love defense. But... Um, you know, this was kind of the equivalent of a pitcher's duel in baseball, and I hate pitcher's duels. I really do. As a matter of fact, I don't really care for baseball to begin with, but, you know, pitcher's duel just make me want to open my veins. I, I, just, I just can't stand it. You know, Russell Wilson and company barely eke out a win. They had nine three and outs, and I think just barely 100 yards passing uh, in, this, in this football game. Um, they... This is only the second game in NFL history with 11 to 10 final score. The other was a game between the Steelers and the Chargers back in 2008. Um, the game was highlighted by Jimmy G pulling a Dan Orlovsky by basically stepping out of the back of the end zone. Wasn't as egregious as Orlovsky, who was literally running for his life outside the white paint uh, of the end zone when Jared Allen was about to sack him. Uh, in the end zone, he literally just stepped outside uh, into the white uh, of the back of the end zone there. And um, the good news is it was just a safety because when when Jimmy G planted that foot, he threw the ball, it was picked off and run into the end zone for a pick six, but it didn't count because the play was already dead. So I'm sure the 49ers were happy to take the two points over giving up six. Uh, in that one, but uh, you know, it was a boring game. The Broncos, kind of like the Bears, limp to two and one. Not a very impressive looking two and one team right now. The 49ers fall to one and two, and um, you know, give me the L. I thought the 49ers would come in and and really dominate this football game. It didn't happen. I basically I picked too many road teams this week. It's like most of the home teams won, and you know, the few road team home teams that I did pick. I think quite a few of them let me down, so I got to really pay attention to that. And then a home team that did let me down, the New York Giants, uh, taking on the Cowboys tonight on Monday. The game just wrapped up about an hour or so ago. Uh, and and the, the story of the game is this. Cooper Rush just wins football games. You know how they used to say back in the day, Chris Carter just scores touchdowns? Well, Cooper Rush just, just wins football games. He's 2-0 and 
as the starting quarterback for the Cowboys, uh, replacing the injured Dak Prescott, who's, who says he's coming back week five. Well, good luck with that. Uh, I hope it's all right. And, uh, you know, I want you fully healthy week eight when the Bears come to town so we can kick your ass. So, um, but, you know, Cooper Rush just gets it done. He beat the Bengals last week. He goes on the road and beats the Giants uh, this week. Uh, C.D. Lamb missed an easy touchdown. He just flat out dropped it, went right through his hands in the second quarter, but made up for it with an amazing one-handed touchdown grab in the fourth quarter to put the Cowboys up for good. Uh, One thing the Bears are going to want to keep an eye on in this game coming up because we play the Giants on Sunday. Barkley had 81 yards rushing. Daniel Jones had 79, and we've got a, a kind of a weakness for the run game. We were better this week against the Texans. Damian Pierce only had 80 yards as opposed to uh, Jones and um, Dylan running for over 200. But, um, you know, they can still hurt us in the running game. That is an Achilles heel of this defense thus far. But Daniel Jones was sacked five times, so if we can get to him, maybe that can be helpful uh, to us. But, um, you know, the Giants had a 13-6 to lead and then gets, get outscored 17-3 to uh, for the Cowboys, they close out the uh, the victory. They uh, increase to two and one, and uh, that is it. Give me the L. That makes me seven and nine on the week, below five hundred. I um, I forget where that puts me record wise for the season. I think I'm still a game above five hundred. Let me take a look here, real quick. Do some uh, do some quick math for you. All right, so seven and nine, and my record coming into the week was uh, 17, 14, and one. So you add seven to the wins, that's 24, nine to the losses, that's 23. So 24, 23, and one after three weeks. So thank God for that tie (laughs) with the uh, Texans and the Colts is what's keeping me above 500 right now. So... Anyway, there you have it, folks. Um, That is going to do it for the week three NFL review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. And, you know, as far as player of the week, obviously, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence is a candidate, uh, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. But um, in in the vein of being a homer and also not picking quarterback this time, I'm going with Khalil Herbert. 157 yards on 20 carries, so seven and a half yards a carry, if not more. Uh, two touchdowns in relief duty, coming off the bench to uh, you know take the mantle from an injured David Montgomery, and uh, played a huge part in helping the Bears get the win over Houston. So, sue me. I'm going with my guy, Khalil Herbert, Player of the Week for Week Three uh, in the NFL. So, there you have it, guys. That's going to do it for the. Week 3 NFL review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Come back on Thursday when uh, we'll have uh, we'll, uh, we'll be previewing the Bears uh, and the Giants. And then Friday we'll preview week 4 for the rest of the NFL. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been Bears Talk Underground.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 